Hey, I'm Pastor Sean. I want to thank you so much for checking out our, our website and our sermons online. And uh, we are so glad you're making use of these for your spiritual growth. And, and, uh, but we do want to encourage you. We, we believe that uh, our online ministry, our online sermons are a supplement to the local church. And so we really hope that uh, you and the community you live in will find a local church, a local church that believes the Bible, teaches the Bible regularly, and applies it to your life. And so uh, if you live in our community, we'd love to have you visit here in Yorktown. We're in 101 Village Avenue. And uh, we have three service times, 8, 9.30, and 11. And so if you don't have a home church, I hope you'll give us a try at one of our service times. We're beginning a new six-week series this fall, uh, going through the Lord's Prayer. And one of the things that I was really convicted about recently as I read through the Gospels is, is how much time Jesus spent in prayer. So here's the Son of God and spent hours and hours each day uh, seeking the will of His Heavenly Father, communing with His Heavenly Father. And, and so I wanted to take us as a church through uh, the Lord's Prayer where the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. I want us to be a people that recognize both prayer to be the fuel of the Gospel and an opportunity to commune and be in relationship with our Heavenly Father. So I, pray, I hope that you'll join us for this six-week series, When You Pray. Well, good morning, Coastal Church. Great to see you. Anybody excited about the things you just sang about? All right, me too. Praise the Lord, man. We get to sing praise to our God for saving us, sending us Jesus Christ. Do me a favor, get your Bible out. Here we go. Starting a new series this morning. I want you to get your Bible out. I want you to get your uh, bulletin out. I want to highlight a couple things, and then we're going to jump in this morning. Uh, we're starting a new series this morning on the Lord's Prayer called When, when You Pray, and, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of unpack that in a minute, but I want to draw your attention to something that I really, really want you to think about and pray about and be a part of, okay? Uh, last week, I highlighted this. We, we moved our offering time this week intentionally uh, because we want you to take this next six-week journey. We're going to do six weeks in the Lord's Prayer, and I'll talk about why we're doing that in a moment. And, uh, and I want you not only to be a part of the corporate service where we teach about it, I want you to be in a small group uh, where we're discussing this and we're incorporating this into your personal life and into your spiritual journey, okay? And so, uh, so everybody get this out. Wave it at me. I know you got it, all right? This is your on-ramp to small groups, all right? And inside of here is a card that I want you to fill out, okay? and I want you to tell us what small group you're going to be a part of. Last week, we probably had a little over a third of you that did that, and I really want all of us to be in a small group. For six weeks, a six-week commitment, you can make it with me and journey with us, all right? And so in, the, in this booklet is a small group that will fit your time or your place in life or whatever you're looking for, okay? So find one that fits you, then get the card out, fill it out, let us know, and then when the offering basket is passed at the end of the service, drop that in there so that we know what small group you're going to be a part of. Some of them even start today, so if you drop it in, that's fine, and then show up today. Okay, here's the deal. I need everybody in this room to fill this card out. So even if you have already are in a small group and you've been in a small group for a long, long time, I still want you to fill this out. Is that clear? Yes, okay, because it didn't seem to be clear last week, okay? And the reason we're doing that is we have a new database, and this is going to help us update our database. It makes it easier, okay? So even if you've been in one for a long time, fill it out. When the offering plate is passed, drop that in there, and that lets us know and reminds us what small group you are in, all right? Uh, now, how do you prepare for your small group? The next six weeks are going to be sermon-based small groups. So in other words, okay, you're going to come, you're going to hear the Word of God pr preached here on Sunday morning as we go over the Lord's Prayer. 
prayer. Okay, and then you're going to take notes inside of your bulletin as a note sheet. Everybody get your note sheet out, all right? And you're going to take some notes, and you're going to, that's going to help prepare you for your small group so that when you go, the questions of the small group, the discussion portion, is going to surround the sermon, all right? And so then you can be prepared, all right? And then another way that you can prepare is we have a fantastic resource book out at the welcome desk. Uh, here's what I'm going to ask this morning is if you want to take one of these resource guides, take one per family this week, and then we'll kind of see where we are next week. I may unleash more to go out the door, okay? But uh, these are articles to help supplement the sermon, and they were written by people inside of our church. So really excited about that. And uh, this is a great resource book to help prepare you for your small group. Okay, is that clear? All right, let's jump in. Here we go. First thing you're going to take note of, top of your handout is a typo. It's not Matthew 5. It's Matthew 6. So for the one that couldn't wait to come up to me after service and say, Pastor John, you don't know your Bible. Okay, it was a typo. All right. And if, a, you know, for those of you in the financial world know that if the fat finger can make the uh, stock market flash crash, okay, uh, my missed my typo can, can show up on a handout. So there you go. Change that to chapter 6. And uh, we're doing a new series uh, on the Lord's Prayer. I, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that... This may be uh, one of the most famous passages of Scripture, um, that even if you're new to church life, you haven't been in a while, you probably have heard somewhere, someone recite the Lord's Prayer. You may even have it memorized yourself. And so what I want to do over the next six weeks is I want to unpack this prayer because I think it's a guide. It's both a prayer we can recite to be sure, but it's also a guide, I think, that teaches us the kind of things that we should be thinking, what the framework of our prayer life, okay? And so, uh, and so how did I get here? Well, I got here uh, because over the past year, I've been reading through the Gospels. Uh, I've been reading through the Bible. Actually, I did that in a year. And, and as I was reading through the Gospels, uh, I became convicted about how much time Jesus Christ spent in prayer, I don't know the percentage, but it, as I read it, I felt like, man, he, I feel like he prayed a third of his ministry spent in prayer, and it began to convict me on my lack of prayer life, and, I, and so I've been trying to pursue more discipline, more intentional time in prayer, and, and there's different ways I've incorporated that into my life, and I've told you some of those, and, and I want to continue to grow. But as I, as I began to pray about Coastal and where I wanted us to go, I, I thought, man, we need to be a people of prayer, because it seems to me that prayer was the fuel of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so if it was his fuel and he's the perfect son of God, then certainly us as fallen people, sinners, like we need that same fuel in our lives and for the ministries of this church as our church and our goal is to take the fame of Jesus and the gospel, not only the potential, but every, every country in the world is really the vision that we have is to make sure every human being on the earth has an opportunity to hear the gospel. And so I want prayer to be the fuel of that. And I want the Lord's prayer to kind of shepherd or guide us in what our prayer should look like. Okay. And, and so prayer is an interesting thing, right? And so uh, I remember years ago in my small group. And so the way I do prayer in my small group, I know different small groups, different, different ways. I, I do a note card. I have everybody at the beginning fill out a note card of their prayer request, and then I gather them up. Okay. And I usually will read them at the end of the small group and then we'll pray about them. Okay. And so 
that's how I do it in my small group. But, but uh, on this one particular night, I remember this years ago, I took the cards and I redistributed them among the small group leaders and I, or the, the small group members. And I said, listen, I want you each to take your card and the person, and I want you to pray for them throughout the week. And they were like, oh yeah, we can do that. And then I said, now tonight what we're going to do is I want each of you to pray for the prayer request in front of you out loud. And I could see on one of the ladies in my group's face, I saw panic sweep over. She's like, we're going to pray tonight, you know, out loud, you know, and it was terrifying. And so like, if you're new to church life, like this whole thing about praying out loud with other people can be scary, right? Anybody ever been like that? Raise your hand, be honest, right? Three of you. Okay. So not sure. Yeah. Well, no, probably all of us have, right? And so the, the, here's what I want to do, okay, as I want to, to begin to, to unpack for us the Lord's Prayer, because I think that it's, it's both a prayer that we can pray, okay, but it's also a model for, man, how should our prayers be framed? What should we be praying about when we pray? Now, the Lord's Prayer takes place in two places, all right? In Matthew 6, where this is in the center of Jesus' great sermon, okay, the Sermon on the Mount, he, he uses the Lord's Prayer, I think, as a model or to teach us. And then in Luke chapter 11, the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, hey, will you teach us to pray? Which is fascinating because of all the things the disciples could have asked, you know, teach us to preach, teach us to lead, you know, teach us to share the gospel. What did they say? Teach us to pray. And I think it's the same kind of conviction. I have when I read the life of Christ, how much time he spent in prayer, okay? And so we see that. And I love that Jesus teaches it twice, which gives me encouragement for all of you that come up and say, hey, pastor, you've said that before. Or you've used that illustration before. If Jesus can teach things twice, so can I, all right? So there you go. Here we go. So here's what we're going to look at this morning. Next week, we're actually going to get into the Lord's Prayer, this morning, I want to look at the three verses that in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus prefaces the Lord's Prayer and just kind of prepare you for the series, all right? So Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners and they, and they, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they, they've received their reward, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Which, by the way, I don't have this in the sermon here this morning, but let me address it quickly. Like, like this is the great theological debate about prayer. And if you're like me, you believe you have a deep conviction of the sovereignty of God. God is in charge of everything. There's nothing that happens outside of the will of God or without His charge. So then the question is, like, then why do you pray, right? I mean, what's the point? I mean, does it, it, because if prayer changes, is God. That's scary, right? We don't, we don't want a God who's, you know, willy-nilly moving around. But if God already knows everything, why pray? And I want to kind of unpack that for you this morning. I think it's very important that we pray, and we're going to see why. So let's start here, right? Let's start with this. What is prayer? What is prayer? Well, I think at the heart of prayer 
is the idea that we as Christians, so again, I'm assuming that you're a Christian here this morning, okay? And so if you're not yet a Christian, I'll come back to you and address you here at the end. But, but if you are a Christian, we're expected to pray. There's an expectation. That's why Jesus says, when you pray. And in fact, there's three when you's here. I almost made this series when you, and we went through the three when you's, okay? Okay, when you number one is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He actually says, when you give. We hit on that last week, right? Uh, You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I I shared this with one of our staff members. I I felt a little bit of pushback from from the spirit of the congregation last week. You know, it was like, man, really? And, and, and Jesus says, when you give, the expectation of a Christian is that you give, okay? Then he says, when you pray, and which we're going to look at, and that's, that's, that's how what we've titled this series, okay? And then he says, and when you fast, and I wish I had time to unpack fasting and giving something up out of your regular routine to give more time to spiritual discipline. And so, you know, so the expectation is that a Christian desires and disciplines themselves to be in prayer. So then why do we do that? Or what is prayer? Well, here's, here's what I think in the context of the Lord's prayer, it's less about changing God or doing, you know, or changing circumstances. Ultimately, prayer is about a close relationship with God the Father, and we see that right out of the gate, right, of the, of the Lord's Prayer when he says, Our Father. Now, um, the, the man in charge of our prayer ministry at Coastal Marty, he, he, a lot of times when you hear him pray, he actually will use the term daddy, okay? Now, now that's not the term used here, okay, in the original languages, but in Scripture, sometimes in prayer, Jesus uses the term or teaches, we can pray with the word Abba, which means daddy, Right? There's this intimacy. There's, prayer is about a relationship. Now, I want to encourage you with this this morning. I want you to think about this this morning. The, the creator God of the universe desires to have relationship with you. And think about it. We have the opportunity to bring everything about our lives into his presence and talk to our heavenly Father in relationship, and many of us can't even carve out a few minutes to do that. Man, what an opportunity we're missing. Now, let me talk to you a minute about how we enter the presence of our heavenly Father. The thing you got, we're going to get into this next week, but the thing you have to know about God is He is holy. That's His character. He is set apart. He's without sin, and sinners will be consumed in the midst or in the presence of God. I I hope you picked that up from the songs we just sang. The songs we just sang were about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the importance of having a Savior. And so when we pray, if you're ever around a Christian or a church, a Christian prays and they end their prayer with what? In who? Jesus' name. Why do we say that? Like, that's not just, it's not in Jesus' name, amen. Like, it's the, like, the, I want you to think about that. When we pray in Jesus' name, it's because we understand that God is holy. He does desire a relationship with us, but because we've sinned and because we've rebelled against him, we don't belong in his presence. And so God, because he loves you and he loved me, he sent his one and only son and he hung on the cross, okay? I, I hope you heard that in the song. We sang the limbs that Jesus hung on 
on and he paid the penalty. God poured out his hatred for sin and it was a bloody, brutal death. That's how much God hates sin. And Christ took that penalty for you and paid for your sin. They laid him in a grave. The grave couldn't hold him. He rose again. That's why we celebrate Easter Sunday, authenticating the message of Christ, who he said he was, the son of God. And now we have entrance into the presence of God the Father through the person of Jesus Christ. You get that? And yet we sometimes we like, oh, well, prayer is so boring, you know, it's just a waste of time. Man, what an opportunity we're missing to enter the presence and be in close relationship with our heavenly father in Jesus's name. And I want to encourage you, carve out the time and spend time with God in Christ. Why? Because prayer is communion with God. It's the opportunity to commune with God. The focus is not so much on the prayer itself, although that's important, but, but it, the focus is on relationship with our heavenly Father through Christ. I mean, some of us, I think we approach prayer with kind of a gritted teeth. You know, I gotta pray, I gotta pray, I gotta pray 10 minutes, just 10 minutes, you know, I gotta pray. And you're missing the point. We, it's relationship with our heavenly Father through Christ. And when we pray, it's it's it's. The focus is on knowing God and knowing his character and knowing his will and knowing his ways. And, and, and ultimately, it's, it's knowing his son, Jesus Christ. But it's in, the context of, it's in the context of relationship. And so because of that, there's a lot of ways that we can pray. So what is prayer? Well, here's some of the very practical application of the ways that you and I can pray. We can, we can pray by speaking, Okay. So a lot of you, maybe you pray out loud. I have this, um, I have this weird habit um, that when I'm thinking about something or if I'm going over my sermon in my head, my lips are moving, but there's no words coming out. And every so often my family will catch me and they're like, what are you saying? Uh, it's just weird. I'm just being weird, you know? But when we, uh, anyway, y'all are tough this morning, <clears throat> tough crowd this morning, um, you know, but we can speak to God. There can be an out loudness, right? And so maybe you find that you carve out that spot in your life and you talk the same way you would talk to another person, the same way you might talk to your spouse. You can speak to God. We can, we can pray by thinking, right? The Lord knows our thoughts and we can carve out some time where we're thinking about our prayers, our thoughts, this is why we can pray silently. This is why when you're in a group with other people, you can join them in their prayer, even though you're not speaking. You're, you're, you're joining them in your thought, right? When we get done praying, I don't know if you've ever been in a church or a setting where the person praying gets done and they say, and all of God's people said what? Amen. What does that mean? It means I agree, Amen just means I agree with what you just prayed. So don't say amen if you disagree, okay? So you, you don't, maybe someone, and I've had that, where someone's prayed a prayer, I'm like, I can't join with that one, all right? And so it means I agree. And so you can join with others in your mind and be able, when they get done, to say, I agree with what, God, I agree with what this, my brother or sister in Christ just prayed. I agree with them. I can say amen to that, all right? Uh, we can pray, we can pray through journaling, we can journal our prayers. I, you know, I don't, you know, the Bible doesn't actually say when it comes to prayer, you bow your head, close your eyes, and fold your hands. Did you know that? 
Where'd that come from? It, it, it came from our blame the parents. Our parents. I have daddy issues. We all have daddy issues, all right? Because nobody's, no dad's perfect. Uh, so it, it, the idea, now the idea behind it is good, all right? The idea is when we enter the presence of God, we want to concentrate on God. We want to be thinking about God. We want to join God. And so, you know, we fold our hands so we're not fidgeting, right? We bow our heads as a, as a show of, of, man, God is sovereign. God's in control. He's God and I'm not. So it's a humility piece, right? We close our eyes so our minds aren't wandering. But the Bible doesn't say we have, there's a lot of ways we can concentrate in the presence of God through prayer. One of the ways is journaling. Sometimes if you're fidgety, a discipline you might want to add to your prayer is writing your prayers and journaling. My wife uh, has been writing prayers since we've been married, okay? And, And she journals and she has volumes of journaled prayer. And I can guarantee you, many of you in this room this morning, names are mentioned in those journals where she, she's prayed for you. And, and one, of the, one of the beauties of that is she could go back from time to time and, and look at her prayers and see how the Lord has answered, right? I've seen, I saw God answer her prayers this week of someone I knew she was praying for, and I've watched the Lord move. And by the way, this is how we got the Psalms, right? In the middle of your Bible is this little book, a big book called Psalms. And what are they? They're, they're prayers and songs written by the saints of the Lord that has, have given us prayers that we can now look at and we can, we can model. We can, we can sing our prayers. How can we pray? We can sing our prayers. Okay? By the way, let me, let me do a side note here. Okay, by the way, when we gather corporately, okay? Sunday morning, we gather corporately in this room. The singing portion is not, well, I'm just missing the first song or two. Singing portion is not, well, I, you know, I don't really like the style of music or whatever. Like, that's an opportunity for you to show up on time and, and sing prayers that set your heart and get your heart and your affections right for the things of the Lord that are about to see in the Word of God. I can't encourage you enough. It, it always stuns me that, you know, all of y'all have jobs and, get, and don't have a lot of tardies at school because you get to work on time, right? And you get to school on time, but man, getting here on time seems to be a challenge. I just want to encourage you, like this is an opportunity to sing your prayers and to prepare your heart to hear the word of God. And one of the things at Coastal that we're really intentional, like we, don't, we make sure we're not just singing any old, there's, a, there's hundreds of great Christian songs, but we really want our songs to focus your attention on the gospel of Jesus Christ so that when you go out of here, that song and that melody sticks in your head, reminding you all through the week of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I want to encourage us as a church, and maybe you're new here, you know, and maybe at the end of one of the songs, everybody starts clapping and you're like, why are these people so enthusiastic? It's because they're being reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they're using that song. They're engaging not just in emotion, but they're engaging in the mind and and in the heart. And man, it's a prayer that's in preparation to hear the word of God. Show up on time. Use the singing portion of our corporate worship as a prayer time. Say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to meet you. Thank you for the gospel. Can't wait to hear from your word. We moved the offertory time this week 
week, okay? We did it the last two weeks intentionally, but you know, next week we'll go back and we've, we've actually, this year we changed the offertory time because we want to incorporate it as part of our worship. And then we, and just before we preach, I always say, listen, this, this last song is an opportunity to pray, Set the affections of your heart and enter into the presence of God and have relationship to him and sing to him this truth to him and about him. You singing as an opportunity to pray. We can, we can pray through scripture. Letter E, we can pray through scripture. You know, you, again, the, you can pray. I, I have a, a book on my shelf in my office that one of my professors wrote called Praying With Your Eyes Open. And it's, if you want a great little resource source on prayer, it's a great little book, Pray With Your Eyes Open by Richard Pratt. And, and um, he teaches us how to pray the Psalms. I did that this morning. I've been working my way through the Psalms. And this morning I, I read Psalm 37 and I just kind of meditate. Meditating sounds weird. It's just thinking about, right? Thinking about putting intentional thought. I just meditate on Psalm 37 and Man, just incredible about the psalmist. And, and he had all this stuff going on and it wasn't all good, but he was asking God, help me to just delight in you and in your character and in your promises. Because as we just sang, our God is true to his promises, right? And so he delighted in the things of the Lord. And so we can, we can pray with our eyes open and pray scripture. And so there's many ways to pray. Okay, and so what is prayer? It's relationship to our Heavenly Father's community. It's the opportunity to get to know our Heavenly Father. It's ultimately, it's about relationship with Him. The second thing Jesus adjusts our thinking on before He actually gives us the model prayer is He adjusts our attitude of prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Okay, what does Jesus what is Jesus hinting at here? What is he teaching? The word hypocrite is actually the word actor, okay? So in Bible times, if you went to a play, an actor would have a mask that they would put over their face and they would, they would do the play or they act out the play and you knew they were acting. They were a hypocrite, okay? And so they were acting. And so Jesus is addressing, he's really, he's probably addressing the religious leaders of the day who would, would get all dressed up in their, in their religious garb and they would go out on the street corners and they they would pray out loud using flowery speech so that everyone would notice them. And Jesus said, man, this is a hypocritical prayer because the focus is wrong. You're focusing the attention of your prayer on yourself instead of being focused on God. And listen, we do that. We can do that. Have you ever been around someone that, man, you, you, know, you know them on one level, and then when they start to pray and they're using these big flowery words, and you're like, I don't I don't know this person, right? And I'm not saying we shouldn't use big flowery words when we pray, but I mean, there's a relational piece to this in prayer. One of the things I love, 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 love is being around a new Christian when they first start to pray. You know why I love that? They don't know all the religious lingo. They think they're just talking to God. Imagine that, right? I've been around new Christians that cursed in the middle of their prayer. They didn't even know they weren't supposed to do that, right? And it's like, hey, we can work on that later, you know, clean up coarse joking and things like that. And, and I, I kind of, it made me giggle. Now I don't want to make light of the holiness of God by any means, all right? I'm going to come back to that next week. But there's a part of me, it's like, in some ways, this person gets it. They're just talking to their heavenly father the way they know how. And I love that. 
Because Jesus is saying, man, if you're, if you're making it some kind of show about you, then your heart is wrong. You, you haven't captured prayer at all. And so Jesus is ad- addressing the desire of the heart. The attitude of prayer is not about impressing others. It's relationship with God. And that's a heart thing. Third thing Jesus says is that the attitude of prayer leads us to understanding who the audience of prayer is. So if our attitude is right, then we understand who the audience of our prayers are. Matthew chapter six, verse six. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus here is not condemning public prayer, okay? We see that all throughout the New Testament where the Apostle Paul is coaching these churches on what their church services should look like, and it certainly includes corporate prayer. And we should certainly be gathering for prayer meetings. We have multiple prayer meetings at Coastal throughout the week. Jesus is not condemning a corporate or a public prayer, okay? That's not the intent. His intent is to teach us that when we pray, the audience of our prayers is our heavenly Father, that we enter his presence through Christ. That's who we're talking to. That's who we're communing with. Prayer is for the audience of one. And here's the faith piece in all this, right? When you pray, what are you believing? What is the faith piece of a prayer? You're believing God exists. And you're believing that God is good. And you're believing that God cares. And you're believing that God hears. And you're believing that God wants to help and support you and mold you more and more into the image of a son, Jesus Christ. You're believing that God will intervene into your little life. Isn't that cool? One thing that makes me sad, you know, is I've watched some of the hurricane news and Weather Channel and CNN and Fox News. It's like they can't mention God. How sad. And so the news cameras will show up in a town and no one's injured and they'll say, well, thank goodness. I'm like, I want to thank more than goodness, whatever that is, right? How about we thank God? But, but we, you know, we, our society is going to where we can't even acknowledge that he exists anymore. I don't want to thank goodness. I want to thank the goodness of God. So what we're gonna what we're gonna begin to look for is when we when we pray to the audience of one, we're gonna see this in the next couple of weeks. I don't want to spend too much time here, okay? But when we pray to the audience of one, we what you're gonna learn is you've got to begin to know who the audience is. And so when you begin to learn the audience, which is the character of God, who He is, that changes your prayers. And so my hope is as we take this journey together as a church of believers is that we begin to understand that uh, uh, the audience of God and and our prayers should reflect his character. Therefore, our prayers should begin to transition from our needs to focusing on the glory of God being displayed in all things. That's the great, in other words, this is what I would call kingdom prayers. That, by the way, you pray this all the time in the Lord's Prayer, right? Your kingdom what, church? And your what? 
will be done on earth and as it is in heaven. So that's the kingdom prayer that the, the reign and rule of the king of kings would go to every tribe, tongue, and nation. Then that changes our prayers, yes? How so? Like, let's get real for a minute. Hi. <laughs> Appreciate you being here this morning. <laughs> that changes things, ready? Go to the doctor. And I know some of you are going through this right now, and the doctor says, well, you, you got cancer. So how does a kingdom prayer, how's it, what, can you pray for healing? Sure. Should you pray for healing? Sure. But a kingdom prayer has a bigger goal than that. See, a kingdom prayer is, if you're going to pray for healing, it's for the intent of showing off the glory of God. A kingdom prayer says, even if you choose not to heal me, Lord, there's something bigger going on. I pray that people around me would know the gospel of Jesus Christ because I'm going through this difficult time when finances get squeezed. It's easy to say, oh, God, just, just give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But, but the bigger prayer is, God, use this circumstance to display your glory in all things. So often, church, our prayers are for the applause of earth. I've been saying this over and over and over. Our, we are not heavenly minded enough. We're not eternally minded enough. It's, our prayers are, God, make me feel better. God, give me a bigger house. I need a new car, the job. My job stinks. My boss stinks. God, just deliver me. And yet, you know, and by the way, there's a pastor idol in this too. Here's what pastors do. Hey, how many of y'all running in worship these days, right? You know, that's the pastor thing. And that's the thing we pray for. Listen, those are not oftentimes not kingdom prayers. A kingdom prayer says, man, I want to live and I want my life and I want my prayers to be focused on the applause of heaven that people may know the king of kings at the end of the day. And so that our hardships, our opportunities to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen. There's somebody here today. You're here today. You haven't been to church in years. You're here today. You want to know why? You've been squeezed by the things of life. And you're hurting and it's difficult. And you're thinking, man, it's not fair. And so you said, I don't know where else to go, man. I need to go to a local church. And you showed up here today. Listen, all those circumstances had led you to the moment, potentially this morning, of the greatest thing that you need to know. It's not that all your circumstances get cleared up. It's that you're a sinner, and what you deserve is the wrath of God, and God instead, because he's loved you, has provided you the way to escape his own wrath, and that's the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you repent of your sin and believe in him, you will have both abundant life here on earth and eternal life. That's what you needed to hear this morning. And God in his grace and his mercy and his generosity squeezed you so hard that you're here this morning to hear that. And if you're here this morning, you're wondering why all these crazy people clap after each of these songs because the Christians already came to that realization. They remember the moment they got squeezed and it was hurting and they didn't know where else to turn. They turned to God and they found life and they found hope and they found joy. They found both abundant life and eternal life in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we pray to the audience of one. The second thing Jesus says here about our prayer lives in regards to the audience of prayer, he wants us to make sure that we're focused on God. So he says, shut the door. Go into your room and shut the door, right? I think what he's teaching us is that there should be places in our life where there's intentional concentration on God. 
Now, if you're new to church life, okay, one of the things you're going to hear from time to time from Christians is, hey, hey, dude, you got to have a quiet time, right? How many of y'all, the first time you heard that, you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, all right? Like, quiet time. Okay, the idea is there should be some spiritual discipline in your life, and I think it's taken from teachings like this of Christ, okay, where there's some intentional time in our lives where we're alone with God and we're in prayer, maybe fasting is a part of that, okay, the Word of God, you're in the Word, and and God is speaking to us through His Word and molding us more in the image of Jesus, but there's some intentional time where we shut the door and we get alone with God. Now, quiet time can become a checkbox. Hey, how are, you know, your friend comes up, how are things going with you and God? Oh, I had a quiet time. And it's, a che- it's not intended to be a checkbox, a religious duty. It's intended to be relational, where we're connecting with our Heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, go into your room, shut the door. There should be some intentional times in our lives where we're intentional with our prayer. And so prayer is about communion with our Heavenly Father through Christ. Prayer is relational. We're mindful that our audience is God alone. And then finally, Jesus teaches or reminds us that when we pray, here's what the content of our prayer should look like. So he says this, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Here's what he's cautioning. Jesus is cautioning against meaningless repetition instead of real communion with God, right? He wants our our minds and our hearts engaged with God. So let me, I want to nitpick, just I'm nitpicking here, okay? So I'm going to nitpick, but... Like sometimes I think we do this in corporate worship. I'll hear people repeating over and over to Jesus, Je- and Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Maybe, maybe that's worship, but I want to make sure you're engaging your mind. It's just not some mindless banter that you learned in church life. God is not moved or cajoled by our piling up, up of adjectives. You with me? You're great and you're marvelous and you're wonderful and you're awesome. And we just go on and on with the adjectives because maybe our minds and our hearts aren't really engaged. I mean, he wants relationship with you. I mean, we don't go home and speak to our spouses that way. Honey, you're awesome and you're marvelous and you're great. And I beseech thee tonight for mac and cheese. You know, like what? But God knows our hearts when we pray. And those adjectives can be used, but they need to be used, but with the engagement of our mind. And it's not just some mindless chatter. Actually, Jesus said, that's, that's how the unbelievers approach God. Just these chants and these babbles and it's on and on and it, and it doesn't matter. And listen, listen, the Lord's prayer can be used that way. It doesn't have to be. Right, but you maybe some of you grew up in a in a in a church setting where there were certain prayers that pr- you just prayed over and over and over and over, and you prayed them so often they became kind of rote in your heart and your mind isn't engaged anymore. That's not prayer, right? How many of y'all grew up that way with your kids? Like, now I lay me down to sleep. Is there a creepier prayer than this one? Right. <laughs> 
I pray the Lord my soul to keep from, whoa, getting weird, like Halloween or something, right? If I should die before I wake, good night, sweeties, have a great night, you sleep tight, you know. You can, like, you can pray that mindlessly. We have to be careful with that. God is, God, Jesus says it's not just mindless repetition. I think he's even cautioning as he's about to teach us to pray. One of the things Pastor Andrew has brought to our staff meeting prayer is, is we close almost every week, not every week, with the Lord's Prayer. Now, I, I didn't grow up that way, so for me, it's been refreshing as you pray it on a regular basis, but it's, we're praying it with our mind engaged, with an understanding of what is the Lord's Prayer and what is he teaching us, and, and that's what we're going to unpack in the, in the coming weeks. But prayer is with a devout heart and with pure motives, and it's, it's not to cajole God with adjective upon adjective. That's why he, Jesus says God already knows you're not m- manipulating him with too many words, right? So within the context of the sovereignty of God, and God wants to know you, he wants to be in relationship with you, we, we can pray for help in times of trouble. If you're here today and I mean, your life's upside down and, and, and it does not making a lot of sense. Like, God wants to hear from you. Isn't that amazing? You can enter into the presence of the creator of the universe. You can pray and ask for guidance. If you're literally in a position where you're like, I don't know where to turn. I don't know what decision to make on this. We can pray. James tells us that we can ask God for wisdom and he gives it abundantly. I pray that prayer a lot. And leading coastal community church, because I get to the end of myself sometimes, like, Lord, I don't, I don't know. We could pray for provision. Lord, give us this day our what? Daily bread, right? We can pray for protection. Lead us not, and here's the greatest need of protection that you have, actually. Lead us not into temptation, but what? Livers from evil, right? And pray for protection. We can pray for mercy and grace. A lot of times the book of Hebrews, we misquote this, right? You can enter the throne room of God boldly, the scripture says. It's not boldly with, a, with a, a frivolous attitude. Hebrews says we can enter boldly into the throne room of God and ask for mercy and for grace. We can ask for mercy and grace. Can ask for forgiveness of sins. Forgive us our trespasses, right? As what? I mean, some of y'all don't even want to say that, right? Because there's some unforgiveness going on in your heart. We can ask for needs that we may have. I, uh, I'm going to finish with this this morning. We, um, I remember when my kids were younger. Some of you parents are there now, right? When and, and, you know, I know I got on to you about being late earlier, and, uh, and so I, I still would encourage you to be on time, be a part of the singing as prayer. But I also understand when you're a young family, you got a bunch of ankle biters, and you're trying to get out the door, like, that's hard. That's hard, okay? I mean, diaper bag and Cheerios and, you know, all the stuff you need to get out the door, strollers. But I remember when my kids were, were learning to tie their shoes. Remember that? That's not easy. That's why we just went with Velcro. They... They're 20, my oldest is almost 20. He still does Velcro. He hadn't learned yet. So I'm, I'm just kidding. But, but that's hard, right? And I remember, and you parents remember, whether it's your shoes or something else, that moment comes where they're learning to tie their shoes and they, they look up at you and they say, Daddy, I can't do it. And you go, I, I know. 
I know I'm here to help you. And I want you to begin to, to view your prayer like that. And I think this is important because in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus does something amazing. I wish I had it on the screen. I don't, but Matthew 18, Jesus gathers the little children. And you've got to know the ancient Near Eastern culture. In Bible times, in the world that Jesus ran in, children were thought of as less than human, if you can even imagine. And I actually think it's Jesus' teaching in Matthew 18 that has permeated Western culture that's elevated the beauty that we see in children. I think that comes from Jesus, actually. And so Jesus grabs some of the kids and he says, man, don't, don't keep the kids away. And then he says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, he says, unless you become like children, you can't enter the kingdom of God. What is that about? What is he saying? I think what he's saying is a child, children are so humble. There's no pride. There's no shame. If they can't do something, they just look up and they go, Dad, I'm at the end of myself. I can't do it. And in order to enter the kingdom of God means that you've come to the end of yourself and you declare yourself needy. I need a savior. I can't save myself. I can't find joy in this life on my own. I can't make it on my own. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough skill. Whatever it is, we come to the end of ourselves and we look up to heaven and in the name of Christ, we say, Daddy, I can't do it. And our heavenly father says, I know. I know you can't do it. I want you to depend on me. And at the end of it, prayer is dependence on God. And the reason I think we have such a difficult time praying is because at the end of the day, the truth is we're so full of pride, we think we can do it ourselves. And so we want to just say, hey, God, you know what? I'm going to make life work on my effort or on my bank account or on my job or on my talent or on my education or the list goes on of the things you're depending on. And if you're here this morning, you've come to end of yourself. What a great gift God has given you. Because the prayer to connecting with your creator is really simple. Daddy, I can't do it. And I need And guess what? God has provided all that you need. God has given you the greatest gift he could ever give you. It's the person and the work of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And when we come to ourselves, end of ourselves, we say, Daddy, I can't do it. He says, I know. I wanted to bring you to the end of yourself. Why? So that I can show off my power and my glory through your life. That through your life, my kingdom would come and my will would be done on earth as it, what is, church? As it is in heaven, right? That is a kingdom prayer. And so when you pray, this is what it looks like. Daddy, I can't do it. I've come to the end of myself. It's a prayer of humility, to pray acknowledges dependence, to pray acknowledges faith, to pray acknowledges that God can and will 
show off his fame and his glory through all of your circumstances. And he's preparing us for, to hear from his great, your greatest need and his greatest supply is his gift of his son, Jesus Christ. So let's do this. Let's close our prayer this morning. If you're here this morning and, and you don't know Christ and you came in here and your burden was heavy, man, what a great gift God has given you because he's brought you to the end of yourself. And he's given you an opportunity to depend on him. Maybe you're here and you're a believer. You've just forgotten that and you need to be reminded. And what a great gift he's given you. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer, but it's an opportunity to do business with God. If, if you don't know God through his son, Jesus Christ, man, what a great opportunity. Don't leave here today. Use this moment to come to the end of yourself. Your heavenly Father wants to hear from you through the person and work of His Son, Jesus Christ. So you can follow along with me in this prayer in your heart and in your mind. Heavenly Father, I've, I've come to the end of myself this morning. I came in here looking for answers and looking for hope, and what I've learned is that you desire a relationship with me. I also know, God, I've, I've messed up. I'm, I'm sinful, and you sent your Son to pay the penalty that I deserve for my sin. He paid that for me. And I give you thanksgiving. I give you praise for that great gift. And I know he rose from the dead, authenticating his claims. And so I enter your presence through the name of Jesus, my only hope. Thank you that I can talk to you. Thank you that I can depend on you. Thank you that you care for me. And I go out of this place walking a new life, refreshed, that the God of the universe is with me. Thank you for that hope and that joy found, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.